Good afternoon or evening, depending on your time zone, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. This is an out-of-cycle update intended for informational purposes only. There's no news. There's no other significant information other than just general information around another topic to try to help. So it's a kind of an educational series entry, if you think of it that way. Mostly driven by what's going on today, and I think there's a lot of misinformation being communicated, and I want to give a disclaimer up in the front. I was an auditor in a past life. My job was to find out, you know, business, what are you screwing up? What are you doing wrong? What's creating risk? What risk are you not mitigating or managing correctly or effectively? How are you properly managing your product or service? And most importantly, are you falling victim to things that are of a risk to your employees or your customers or your investors? And as I've said on numerous occasions, when scammers get more adept at their trade, it's a very dangerous thing for financial services especially when you think about crypto being an unregulated form of investment. I don't know if you've read the news, but I believe it was Floki was currently under, not, not was, but they're currently under some scrutiny because of their ads that they put in a subway, and I forget what the location was. But they put an ad that basically said something along the lines of Miss Doge by Floki with a link to the website. And the government in that place basically didn't want that up there and were investigating it because in their mind, they are pushing for someone to purchase an unregulated commodity. Well, I know that couldn't have been the United States because if you think about it, all crypto is unregulated. So when you have certain states that are setting up their own tokens, like uh, Miami is setting up a token for theirs, and then you think about El Salvador is, is accepting Bitcoin. Different locations at point of sale are able to accept Bitcoin. And Visa and MasterCard are trying to get into crypto. It starts to make you think, what's the real motivation behind this push to not regulate crypto? I'll tell you. It's because whenever the government starts to regulate things, invariably they get ruined and are no longer as valuable as they were when it is a free market. However, when something is not regulated, people are at higher risk of being scammed. So it's a pro and a con, a gift and a curse. There's no right or wrong answer, and everybody has a different opinion. I'm on the fence that I would, I do think some regulations fine. I just think governments tend to go overboard. Once you put one thing in, then they start going overboard with different laws or different amendments, and then all of a sudden it's no longer the same intent it first had because now you've let them in the door so to the credit of the united states government at least so far the only thing that they did with the most recent so-called biden bill was for them to start getting the irs involved to collect tax revenue because they think that people are ducking taxes with crypto and of course they are but all of this got me thinking about scams right scams and financial tricks that people are doing to evade when they're about to get caught and they take people's money and they disappear. 
And that's the point of this series is to talk to you about some of these very elaborate tricks that people are doing to duck being caught out when it's going to be a scam. Here's the truth. There's nothing, and I stress, nothing available that can help you avoid or prevent being scammed. You cannot do it. The only credo that we can offer, anybody can offer. First, you need to look for the signs. There are blatantly obvious signs on many of the projects I've seen where clearly this guy's not going to last for very long. And if it does, it's not going to be successful. And if it is, that success will be, let's say, ill-gotten. For example, I called out my rubric for a white paper. If the white paper that's put up there is something that you could envision in your mind that some sixth or seventh grader could slap together in PowerPoint, it's probably not a legitimate business. If the website where this white paper is posted doesn't tell you enough about what the token is there for, what do you, what's your purpose? Why do you exist? What, do you, what problems are you going to solve? It's probably not a legit token. If there's no mention of any intent to dox, meaning to identify the people behind the project, and this one's a tricky one. I'll tell you this in a second. But if there's no, at no mention of an intent to do it, at minimum, it may not be a legit project. Here's the challenge with doxing. Because of what happens, when you dox, when you fully dox, people will invariably try to cause you harm even when nothing went wrong. So you're exposing a lot about yourself because you want to have all the best intentions. The challenge, of course, is that when you do that, you are putting yourself and your family at risk of harm. And I understand there's people out there that say, well, that's what you do, 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 do. I don't agree with that at all. I think that better solutions are available that don't require you as the investor be directly uh, given access to somebody's identity information. But in order for that to work, we have to have trust in some organization, ideally not a government organization, that can do that vetting for us and then give us assurance that it's all clean. There actually are orgs that can do this. Um, one's called Stay Sefu, and you can screen pretty much any contract and get at least a high-level sense of what it's about. All the way to the more elaborate ones, one's called Desert Finance. It has its own coin, and it's an actual organization that goes through and identifies and certifies that, hey, from what we can tell, it's a clean project, but they also take the second step of doxing the people behind the project. So what that does is people behind the project will submit their identity information to this organization who then will certify. We know who this person, this group is. We know what they're about. We know how they work. We know how to find them if we had to. We're certifying that we have done the due diligence for you so that you can reasonably trust the project. You still are kind of on the hook yourself. That means that we as a community have to trust orgs like Desert Finance to just simply assert that, yes, we did the certification. We know who they are and they've released who they are. You still have the risk, frankly, of that team changing or perhaps they find some mark. I talked about this on social media. 
some mark and have them submit the doxing. But then behind the scenes, there's a totally different group of people engaged and involved. And so I don't think there's a clean answer with doxing. It's just one of those things where no matter what you do, there's always a risk that somebody can gank a chain. Then on the flip side, you could have a fully doxed project. You could have people who are engaged start to finish. They're always there. They're doing videos. So you can see a person all the time and it's the same person and you can hear and understand their messaging and their vision. And then one day through no fault of anybody's own, you either lose a developer, maybe they die or something happens to them or a developer gets disgruntled. I had this issue with Shiba swap because in the rewards grant the Shiba swap, they described it as quote one guy who basically has to quote, press the button to distribute rewards. They didn't automate it. And so now you have a single point of failure is what we call it. When you have a single point of failure like this, that's also risking a rug pull scenario. Even when the intent is not to, you know, de defraud or steal from people, just happenstance that you have a single point of failure. And when that happens, you are putting the project at risk. You're putting the investors at risk which is why I say we should not have single points of failure. So one other indicator of a solid project you could look for is transactions for the wallet. I'm talking the liquidity wallet, the marketing wallet, the dev wallet, whatever, require more than one sign signature to say, I sign, this person signs, this person signs. And all three of us had to sign or two of the three or some measure that gives redundancy so that no one person can tank the process and you can infect changes, affect changes rather, into the process without the risk of a rug pull situation. Not every project is large enough to do this. However, the ones that are willing to find the people to do that, they're going to be the uh, somewhat more stable. I stress it again, you still can't be sure. And I know it's probably frustrating hearing me repeatedly say that, but you just cannot be sure in an unregulated industry. That's why it's called an unregulated industry. No different than moonshine way back when and people were getting sick from it or tainted marijuana or fentanyl and regular pain pills. You just don't know when you're dealing with unregulated whatever. You just don't know and you're taking that risk. So to protect yourself, number one, the white paper should guide you in the right direction to understand that, yes, these are serious adults who took time to really put this together and think about it, ideally following my rubric, who, what, where, when, how, and why of the project. They should be able to sell you on the project with enough information that you can independently vet. There should be a decently designed website that doesn't look like a copy-paste or a template that tells you more about the team, about the project, a way to purchase it, what happens for any taxes and fees and whatever, you should feel reasonably confident that this is a group of people who are trying to convince you that their project is sound and not a one person or a group of people that are trying to just take your money. And that's a key difference. And I think people struggle. It doesn't matter about whether the token is a you know, small cap coin, like it's got 15 zeros or it's got six. That's not a strong indicator of whether it's credible or not because remember shib i believe started with 10 zeros so tom i believe started with 10 zeros and 
they are stable projects as of this point, months after the fact. Something like Floki, something like Kishu, they have had significant amounts of zeros. They're reasonably stable projects. It's not an indicator. Being on exchange helps. However, it's not perfectly an indicator that it's a credible project. It just means that it got past initial hoops to be able to get listed. So then people are saying, but how is it that somebody can be so elaborate as to get on the exchange? They might go through a CERTIC audit. They might go through this. They might go through that. And then you still have some sort of failure. I'll give you an example. Keanu Inu. Keanu Inu was, at the time, doxxed. It had a pretty strong tokenomics to it. The only thing wrong with it at the initial stage was their marketing strategy and hanging their hat on Keanu Reeves and The Matrix and John Wick and all that garbage. That's the only thing I saw that was fundamentally wrong with what they were doing. I think they had the best of intentions. I think they were very excited. I think they had the right idea. Just their implementation sucked. So then in the first iteration, they're about to release the wallet, the Matrix wallet, and do a Vegas shindig. If this sounds familiar from Saitama, it's the reason I raised concerns about that because it was very similar. Now, Keanu never made it to Vegas. They took donations from people, didn't get the event off due to no fault of the developer. The price tanks. Time passes. People start getting back into it because it had a decently strong community. The second time around, Keanu Reeves' legal team sends a cease and desist. And instead of doing what I would have done, which is to just fix the underlying issue and, and what's called corrective action, they just the developer that received it freaked and then took out some money and then left the project. He didn't completely deplete it, but he took out enough that it harmed the project. So now there's another person and group that's trying to get in front of it and revitalize the token and bring it back up to from a new token, a new set of tokenomics, a new process, but now the trust has been hurt multiple times. Floki had two official rug pulls before its current iteration, and it still had a strong community behind it. So when you have a Floki who had official rug pulls and Keanu, Keanu Inu, which did not have a rug pull but had the equivalent of a rug pull by its developer, I can only tell you, you can't know going in. You're, that's the reason it's called risk. You cannot know. So you can look at, even when it has solid tokenomics, even given a solid white paper, even given solid, a good solid website, it's the reason that everybody you keep hearing people say, invest only what you can afford to lose. It's because the risk is almost always there of loss. The question is whether it's a significant loss or not, number one. Number two, is that loss an immediate, meaning that they just immediately rug pull it a day or two after launch or a week after launch or something else like Shiba Fever, Shib NFT, and so on? Or could it take longer? And then are there signs that the token might rug pull at some point in the future? Uh, Thorium is a good example of this one. I believe that one's trying to be a rug pull. It's just very subtle about it. But it is giving rewards, so there's no way to know. You have tokens now that are very elaborate in their schemes. So I'm going to wrap up by talking about some of these elaborate ways that they trick you into thinking that it's a legitimate project. Number one on the list, they have gone through and got on at least one exchange. Just because they're on an exchange doesn't fully mean legitimacy. It does increase 
the appearance of legitimacy, but you still could have a problematic situation because the developer ultimately could stop trading on those exchanges. If they stop trading on the exchanges and you left your coins there, you won't be able to sell. And so that's essentially a loss for you. Some exchanges are good about it where they'll work to try to swap you to some other token and understand that the freezing of a token in the exchange is a normal process. If the token is trying to migrate to a different token, you would have to freeze it at the exchange level. This is why I don't like the migration tokens and that this ramp up of migrations that's happening because every single one of them could be a risk of this type of a trick. The second is when you do the migration parts, and this is another indicator where they're very elaborate with it. They could sell you on the new token all you care to. They could tell you it's going to be a beautiful thing. Secretly, that new token has already been purpose built to take your money. So the previous token might have been legit. The new token might be completely scammy and scummy, and you won't know. So you, previous to the migration, have a choice to sell your tokens, but perhaps you believed in the project and maybe you're okay with the devs and you don't believe that they might scam you. Could be that's a different developer on the new project. You just don't know. Here's another one that I see, and this one's kind of hard for people to wrap their head around, but so many tokens are, are showing up now with dividend-type rewards where they'll say, nope, you set it up and it's going to give you BNB, or you set it up and it's going to give you Shiv. Set it up, it's going to give you Safe Moon. Set it up, it's going to give you Ethereum. And you'll set up, You'll invest a little bit, maybe $20, $30, and you'll see the rewards are showing up. They've got a dashboard that lets you see how much you've made, and it's a claim or it's an automatic, whatever it is. And then at some point, usually a couple of weeks after this has happened, if you were to look at PooCoin charts, you'll see that there's an immediate drop, red, all the way to the bottom. That's evidence of a rug pull, that they basically either took out the liquidity if it wasn't locked, or they had a wallet on standby where they were able to and they were sitting on a major bag and then they sold it all off which basically tanks the value of the token so you wouldn't know this in advance you'd think everything is fine because the rewards were flowing yes if later you try to sell a coin and all of a sudden you can't sell it you get on pancake swap this mostly happens on the Binance side but it does happen to ethereum but i'm using pancake swap as my example you go to sell it no matter what you set slippage to, it's not letting you sell it. That means there's no liquidity there. Or in the code, they have put a hook that allows them to set fees or even possibly disable trading. So the, the trick here is that the contract might have been clean when you bought in, but because of the way they wrote it, they can lock you out of selling it at some point later, and you would know it. Tools like Stay Sefu and token sniffer and certain other ones can try to help you with those and tell you where it's there but sometimes the token has all the best intentions with why it's there like an anti-whale mechanic that's manually initiated so if they see okay geez there's a whole bunch of whales selling off they may leave that hook in there to allow them to either disable selling temporarily or increase the fee to discourage whale sell-off to help preserve the value Satama actually has such a mechanic. They can change the fees at any time they choose. Right now, they have not, as far as I can tell, changed the fee to a significant degree. And it's only there to discourage whales. As you saw with the fiasco of the Vegas event, whales were still able to sell because all they had to do was sell in chunks. And here's the 
problem with the anti-whale mechanics and that switch. If you're a whale, you don't care if you're getting nailed, frankly, for an extra $300 or even thousands of dollars when you're selling out millions and millions of dollars worth of tokens. You just don't care if there's thousands of dollars of fines and fees. You don't care. And so that mechanic tends not to work. However, we see it in so many contracts, and it creates a risk because it could be used maliciously against you to stop you from selling if you're not a whale. If you turn off trading completely, it's just as bad because maybe they're turning it off for a good reason. DYOR just recently had disabled trading of the token, but they did it to stop the rogue CEO from draining more money, draining more of the liquidity out. Well, now it's frustrating because people wanted to sell, which their decision was to stop people from selling and taking the loss because they wanted to recoup everybody's liquidity and value, and they were successful in doing this. So sometimes their intent is good, but sometimes the intent's not good. Ultimately, when you're hiding malicious intent behind otherwise benign, healthy activities, there's nothing you can do. There's no way you would know, and that's why you have to manage your risk And the main three ways you can help manage your own risk, in my opinion, are as follows. Number one, diverse portfolio. I can't stress it enough. Do not do what's referred to as YOLO. You only live once, as in dump as much money as you can into a single project or even two projects. Diversify your portfolio. Minimum, I I say minimum, you should have 10 or 15 different things that you're investing money into and letting them separately grow or fail because it is somewhat of a needle in the haystack approach to seeing which ones are going to succeed and which ones don't. And you'll find, you know, especially on the Binance side, you might invest in 20 different projects and of those 20, 50 of them crash and burn. Some of them may or may not be scams could be just that the token failed. And of those, you got five that look like they're not scams. They look like they're going to go somewhere. And then the long hauls. Well, if they're long hauls, you're going to need to replenish your diverse portfolio with other projects. So you're constantly evaluating another project, invest a little money in it, watch it for a while, a little bit. And then if it looks like it's stable and solid, then you can buy it. Now you'll say to yourself, but yeah, I'll miss the price. That's a risk that you take. Yes. In order to manage your portfolio and keep yourself safe from what might be a rug pull. That's number one, diversify your portfolio. I can't stress it enough. So many traders do it wrong because they jump on the next thing that they see as a FOMO instead of YOLO. They FOMO in and then they YOLO their money in. Don't do that, in my opinion. Number two, invest only what you can afford to lose. And this one really hits home. So many people I see are talking about let's say, actions that would result in the loss of life because of what's happening and them getting rug pulled and scammed and because of the whole doxing and the risk of it, they're talking about seeking these people out and causing bodily harm that would result in a loss of life. I understand the emotions, but you need to understand why you're feeling that way. It is because you went YOLO and you dumped more money than you could afford, let's be honest, into an investment. Don't do that. You should not invest anything that is going to cause you to basically go broke or cause you to not be able to go to college or cause you to not be able to feed your family or whatever. 
don't do that. And I don't know why you're doing this because almost every token I can think of is going to be a medium haul at best, if not a long haul. So now you're out that money for a period of time. It's not like a bank where you've got FDIC insurance covering you. You're not covered when these things go south. You have no protection. The only protection you would have is if you bought in to tokens that are already established, your Ethereum's, your Bitcoins, Cardano's, Solana's, even Solana had major issues. They fixed it since, but my point is, if you went, if you had gone YOLO when Solana had totally crashed and burned when they had the network outage, you would not have been able to sell. You would have watched your deal go near zero. You would have freaked out unnecessarily because it did recover, but the point is the emotional effect that would have had on you is significant. That's why I'm saying don't do that. Even if it was an established token, I say don't do it because why don't you consider if, if you're really just trying to maximize, calculate how much you need to survive. That's food, that's your bills, that's your whatever. Calculate how much money you need to survive. Budget, set that aside into an account that you cannot withdraw from. Figure out how to make it where you cannot withdraw it. Whatever's left over as so-called discretionary money now decide, do you need Netflix? Do you need beer? Do you need cigarettes? Do you need wheat? You know, find your non-essentials and it's okay to live without those and then invest it instead because now that money is not critical money. It's so-called F money. I'm trying not to swear. So only invest what you can afford to lose. Diversify the portfolio with that money, number one. Number two, invest only what you can afford to lose. Number three, and I said, all of these three have to be put together. You can't pick and choose. But number three, do your due diligence as much as you can. There are obvious signs. You'll know obvious signs. Don't just look at the tokenomics. Look at the design of things. Does the white paper look like a freaking teenager put it together? You know how to tell a professional writing document versus something that a teenager arguably could have just knocked out in an hour or so. That's what you're looking for. And you're looking for them to explain to you, sell you on what does this token do? What problem does it solve? How does this, pro this token help change the world? And when I say the world, I'm talking about whatever industry it's targeted towards. So you might have a token that's targeted towards the medical industry. Great. Explain it to me in a way I can consume so I can understand it. You should expect doxing to a degree. You should understand when the same people run multiple projects. So right now, one of the controversies was that Russ on the Satama and other developers on Satama also were involved in the creation and setup of, of uh, Lily Finance, which is the medical that was announced, supposed to be announced at the Cytomask event. And then you got... Russ and Elon Mansour and others who are now involved in the Suzuki. Well, Suzuki just was confirmed to be a rug pull, so now you've created some smoke. Okay, what is your involvement with the Suzuki project, if anything? As far as what we know, the only involvement is that Suzuki was invited to be listed on Cytomask, which we don't know how that invitation worked or what the communication happened and what was the back and forth. Like, as an auditor in the past, I would dig into that I want to see every communication that you had with A to B to understand how this happened to make sure 
you don't have a direct intersection with that company because if you do, the rest of your investors need to know at minimum, hey, this guy's over invested in this over here and they lost money. Okay, at least we understand that. Or are you using the profits from here to enrich this one over here? That would be a problem. So I guess what I'm saying in summary is just those are three things. Diversify your portfolio. I can't stress it enough. Two, invest only what you can afford to lose. Three, do as much due diligence as you can. Understand that due diligence alone won't help you identify obvious scams. But there's enough evidence in the documentation, the website, and the professionalism of said where you can see hints that this guy might not be credible. I'll wrap it up by saying this. Even if it's a scam, it doesn't necessarily mean you can't make money. But you're talking about managing your risk. So you might be in it for two days, and then you realize a profit gain of 100%, and then you cash out. That's fine. You're out of it. You realize the gain, and you move on. There's nothing wrong with that, but you're, you're playing with fire by doing that if you're one of those that wants to try to day trade and get a little profit out of it. And why would you bother doing that when you could simply find solid projects to add to your portfolio and then manage it that way? When you find the solid projects now, you'll use dollar cost averaging because as you find the projects that work, you'll buy in at different points and buying the dips and, you know, selling on profit and getting to the point where you're basically averaging your cost out and focusing only on the dollar figure. But that's a long time out. You got to find the solid projects first. That's the hard part. The trading is easy, right? It's finding the solid projects, the ones that you can trust that you don't feel are going to rip you off based on everything that you've done. But I'm only targeting this to the people that just jump into a project because everybody else is on board with it as a FOMO or just because a buddy told you to do it. You still should do your due diligence. Trust but verify is what I'm saying. And hopefully this all has helped you.